Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. It's always good on Palm Sunday and Good Friday to stand through the uh, entire Passion narrative and do just a tiny, tiny bit of bodily penance for all that the all that the Lord suffered for us. So hopefully you're able to offer up maybe a little discomfort with uh, with cheerfulness and joy and gratitude for what what Jesus has done for you. On Palm Sunday, the church has us, as we just heard, walk through all of the major events of Holy Week, all of the pivotal moments at the end of our Lord's life. We walked walked through before Mass began in the back. We walked through His triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. We heard about Judas' betrayal, which happened on Wednesday of Holy Week. We walked through the events of Holy Thursday, the institution of the Holy Eucharist, the establishment of the priesthood, Jesus' agony in the garden, his arrest in the garden. We walk through all the events of Good Friday, his trial and condemnation under Pontius Pilate, his scourging, his crowning with thorns, carrying of the cross, crucifixion, death, and burial. We might ask the question, since this is sort of unusual to have such a long gospel to Mass, why does the church have us listen to the entirety of these events on Palm Sunday. Because we'll hear them again on Good Friday, which seems to make sense. But why, why do we listen to all of these on Palm Sunday? Well, there are probably many reasons. One reason that I'll give to you this morning is that during the entirety of this week, the church wants us to have one thing as much as possible passing through our minds and hearts all day long which is all of the details of this great drama that we just read. I think a good way to sort of picture everything that we we just heard is that these are the concrete details of God's love for us. People talk about God's love too much as if it's this abstract occurrence. No, it it happened in a perfect way 2,000 years ago. And that's exactly what we just heard. These are the details down to the smallest little thing. These are the details of what God's love looks like. And so I want to give you three uh, sort of challenges uh, for Holy Week. The first is that while we want to be thinking about all of these details of our Lord's suffering and death all throughout this week, you know, when we're driving, when we're cooking, when we're in between tasks, when we fall asleep at night. This is what we want going through our minds and hearts this week, what we just heard. While that's sort of a a given, the the challenge that I want to give you all is to set aside every single day this week a full hour of prayer. A full hour where you choose one of the gospel narratives that describes the passion and death of our Lord 
and you really read through those details, you try and picture them in your mind, you talk to Jesus about them, you ask him questions about what it was like. Real prayer that gets into these details of his love. This is, this is so, so important. Now, for some of you, you have, okay, unique sort of job situations or family situations. It might be legitimately impossible to do a full hour every day this week. But I think that's probably a, a pretty slim minority of you. I think for most of you, if you're willing to make some sacrifices, to move some things around, to cancel things that are less important, I think you can probably make it work, 98% of you. So that would be my, my first challenge this week. If you think about for a second, imagine if when you were an infant, your, your earthly father died defending you and your siblings and your mother from some aggressor. Let's say he underwent extreme torture and death to save your life. And somebody had written down, somebody was an eyewitness, and they had written down a detailed account of this heroic sacrifice and death that your earthly father had undergone. I guarantee you that you would not grow up without knowing every last detail of what your earthly father had done for you. You would know what he had done for you like the back of your hand. Jesus loves us infinitely more than even a heroic earthly father like that. And this, what we just heard, these are the details of his love for us. We should know the story of his passion like the back of our hand. I would even go so far as to say, even though I myself am not in this position, <laughs> I'm preaching myself too, I would even go so far as to say we should have it memorized. This is what God's love for us looks like. This is how it took place. This is the story of our salvation. Spending an hour a day with this every day this week is, is just, you know, asking a little bit, right? So that's my first challenge. The second thing I want to challenge you all with, now some of you are already planning to do this already, which is great. Um, some of you, perhaps it's not on your radar. But the second thing I want to challenge you with is if you don't have it planned already, to do everything in your power and again, I know there are some things that are out of your control, whether that's job or family things. Okay, I get that. I think that's going to be a, a small minority of people, though. But I would say everything in your power to attend all of the liturgies of the Triduum. It always kind of surprises me to a certain degree. I guess I can understand it from a practical, logistical point of view. But it is still kind of surprising to me that the church doesn't make these holy days of obligation. <laughs> I mean, these are, this is the pinnacle. <laughs> of the entire liturgical year, the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Holy Thursday evening, the Good Friday service of our Lord's Passion, and then the Easter Vigil on, on Holy Saturday night. This is the pinnacle, the culmination, the fulfillment of all of salvation history, played out again before our eyes in the liturgy, the holiest liturgies of the year, and, I, you know, I've always been kind of surprised to meet Catholics who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and they've never been to an Easter vigil in their whole life. It just blows my mind. <laughs> it blows my mind. Now, there could be all sorts of reasons for that. I'm not, I'm not throwing stones here, casting judgment. 
but it's, it's crazy to me that somebody could go their whole life and not have ever once participated in the, sort of the, the highest liturgy of the year. It's crazy to, to think about. So I'd really encourage you, even beg you, you know, before this day is done, look at your calendar this week. If you can't make it to some of the, you know, one or more of the Triduum ones here, look around at other parishes. See if they have different times. You could, you could fiddle with things. If you can cancel a half day of work on Friday to make, to, to make it to that liturgy, do it. It's well worth it, right? Whatever is in your power to, to attend those, um, just really, really strongly, strongly encourage you um, to, to look at that and, and to make plans. And then the last challenge that I want to give you is, and I wrote a long column in the bulletin about this this Sunday, so I'd encourage you to take one of those as you leave. Uh, the last challenge I would give you is to prepare yourself to make plans to receive what is often called the Extraordinary Grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, some of you maybe have been in the parishioner or have been in this parish for a while. Uh, you're probably already familiar with this to some degree. Monsignor Blassett back in the day would preach about this uh, quite frequently from what I understand. And I'm not going to go into the details about what sort of the, the contours of this particular grace is. I can tell you that it's extremely unique. It's one of a kind. It's really the Lord's generosity in promising this grace to St. Faustina, to those who, you know, who dispose themselves to receive it on Divine Mercy Sunday. Um, not only is it one of a kind, it's just absurdly generous on God's part. If God's mercy wasn't generous enough already, if it wasn't easy enough already to access His mercy, He, he just made it a hundred times easier. With, with this extraordinary grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. So you can learn a little bit more about what that is in the bulletin column I wrote. But just so you know, okay, well, what are the, the things I have to do that Jesus asked for to dispose myself to receive this grace? And they're incredibly simple. Incredibly simple. All you have to do is go to confession. Sometime in the days leading up to Divine Mercy Sunday, it does not have to be on the day itself. It can be in the days leading up to it, which is why I've added like a bajillion extra confession times this week and next. That's basically all I'm going to be doing the next two weeks. I'll just be sitting here. So, so don't, don't tell me you didn't have an opportunity to come like four, six, eight hours a day. I'm just going to be sitting there. Right? So, so all you have to do is go to confession sometime between now and Divine Mercy Sunday. To be in a state of grace on Divine Mercy Sunday itself, and then to receive Holy Communion asking Jesus for this extraordinary grace. That's it. Very simple. Very simple. And I would really like my prayer is that every single person in this parish takes advantage of, of this extraordinary grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. And with that in mind, as you look through those conditions to dispose yourself to receiving this grace, I was kind of thinking like, are any of these going to be hard for some people? I was like, well, the, the only one that might pose an obstacle to some would be going to confession. Now, I've been in this parish long enough, over six years now, that I know that for many of you, you go to confession fairly frequently already, which is great. Keep doing that. Some of you go every couple months, every six weeks, four weeks, two weeks. Some of you even go every week. Wonderful. 
take advantage of God's mercy as, as much as you need. That sacrament is, again, just absurdly generous on God's part. If we had to spend 90 years of our life doing penance to be able to receive the grace that we get in one confession, that would still be insanely generous on God's part. The fact that He makes it a thousand times easier than that to receive mercy is, is just mind-blowing. Nonetheless, I know from having been in this parish five, six years that there are also some of you here, there are also some of you here that have not been to confession in years. Years. I know this from different conversations and, and different sort of contexts. Some of you here, I think probably a minority, but some of you here have not been in confession in years. And so as I was thinking, okay, I want everyone in the parish to receive this extraordinary grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. For this minority that has not been in confession a long time, what could be holding them back? And so if any of you are, are here today that fall into that category, that's first of all my direct question to you to ponder yourself, what is keeping you from God's mercy in that sacrament? And then maybe to offer you from my experience working with people, hearing confessions, what are the, what are the things that tend to keep people away from the sacrament for a long time? There could be, I mean, dozens of reasons. But three of the ones, or four of the ones actually, that, that I think are most common are number one, embarrassment or shame over the things that we've done. That people are just embarrassed to admit these different things that they've done. They're ashamed of them. And so if, if, if one of you, I'm not really, those of you who go frequently, not really addressing you right now. For, for any of you who, who have been away for a long time, and the, the primary reason that holds you back is embarrassment or shame about the things you've done. The first thing I would tell you is that Jesus, look, Jesus already knows. He already knows. He already knows everything you've done. He just wants you to say it out loud. That's it. If, if you're afraid of what the priest might think of you, number one, we've heard everything before. Don't think that you're you know, uniquely creative in like the sins that you commit. It's all the same. It's boring. It's just the same thing every day. Sit in there, it's just the same stuff, same stuff. The only interesting thing is when people really start growing in holiness because then really, really unique things start happening in their life. But sin is just, ah, it's just all the same. We've heard it all. There's nothing new under the sun in, in that regard. You're not going to surprise me. If, you, if, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't, I don't want, you know, Father to recognize my voice, fine. Like, there are hundreds of other places in the city you could go to confession. Go, go to one of those places. I will tell you, even with that, I'll tell you that if in the off chance I do recognize somebody's voice and they've been away for a long time or maybe they haven't, whatever the case, I never admire, I never think less of somebody when they come to confession and humbly admit what they've done. It doesn't matter what it is. I only ever think more of that person because they're humble enough to just come and blurt it out. I'm not going to think less of you. But if, if, if you're still concerned about that, just go somewhere else. <laughs> so many places where, where you can go to confession. So if embarrassment or shame keeps you back, like, don't let it. 
have courage, right? The second thing that I think can sometimes keep people back, the second and third ones are kind of connected. If someone has struggled regularly with habitual sins that they're really trying to overcome, but they just seem to keep failing. I see often a couple things happen. Number one is people begin to think that God's patience with them grows thin. They start thinking to themselves, God just sort of, at some point, his patience is going to run out with me. Because I just keep coming back with the same stuff over and over and over and I cannot seem to make any progress, even though I want to. And they think that God's patience grows, grows thin. If that is your situation, I would tell you very frankly, stop making God in your own image and likeness. Just because you might grow impatient with other people when they come back with the same faults or if they hurt you in the same way, that's not who God is. You have a complete misconception of who God the Father is, if that's what you think. If you think that He can become impatient. So long as you have the tiniest shred of sorrow for your sins, it can be a speck of dust. That's how small it can be. He will meet you in that place and forgive you. God does not get tired of forgiving us. So if that's the thing that holds you back, reimagine a proper image of who God the Father is. Not this imaginary figure that you have in your head who just eventually gets tired of forgiving you. That God does not exist. He's fake. Similarly in that vein, if someone has struggled for a long time with habitual sins, just like, I can't make any progress, I, I can't seem to overcome this, eventually they just sort of fall into discouragement and despair sometimes. And they give up. They give up the fight. So they, they, they say, what's the point? I've gone to confession hundreds of times before, nothing's changed. What's the point of going back now? I'm just going to do it again. If someone is in that situation, if that is one of you, and that's kept you away from confession for a time, I would say, you're right. <laughs> you can't do it by yourself. We can't even breathe by ourselves without God's help, much less overcome some habitual sin. So you're right. You can't do it by yourself. You can only do it with His grace. And where are you going to get that grace? Where are you going to find it? In confession. That's where you're going to find it. The devil is completely one if he's convinced us that it's no use. He has completely won. The only loser in the Christian life is the man or woman who quits trying. That is the only real defeat. As long as we never quit trying, we never keep coming back to God for His help, we will never lose. You cannot lose. The last situation I think sometimes people find themselves in if they've been away from confession for a long time is they're stuck in this place where they don't fully believe that if I give up this sinful thing that I kind of enjoy, that I'll actually be happy. And so they recognize, and it's, they're sort of being authentic with themselves. They say, I know it would be a farce 
if I went to confession because I don't actually have any intention of stopping sin, fill in the blank, sin X, you know. I don't really have any intention of stopping that because I think if I, if I stop that thing, I won't be happy. This is often on the subconscious level. They might not say it out loud. Well, somebody in that situation has a lot of, a lot of work to do, <laughs> a lot of things that God wants to help them with, right? Because they lack faith uh, in one sense. But I would say also, it'd be good for a person in that situation, if that's any of you, to examine your conscience and ask the question, do I really believe that I know what will make me happy better than the one who created me? And, and to ask the question, is that reasonable? Is it reasonable to think that I know what will make me happy more than God? And that He's gotten this particular sin that I enjoy, He's gotten that one wrong. That can't be a sin. If I give that up, I won't be happy. There's a lot of arrogance there. Somebody in that situation also should not present themselves for Holy Communion. because there's a, there's a complete lack of faith. But I would say to the person in that situation, if you have the humility to give it a shot, surrender to God. Surrender to Him. Stop thinking that you know better than the Lord what will make you happy. Surrender to Jesus. Tell Him that you trust Him, not your own understanding. The Lord is so generous with His mercy. It's, it's absolutely insane how easy it is for us to find forgiveness. I want all of you to receive this extraordinary grace of Divine Mercy Sunday. If your obstacle is confession, I just encourage you to trust Trust in the Lord.